Hey ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Episode 166, as always, I'm joined by Dom. No one will know this, but I'm coming to you live, well, not live, but I'm coming to you from Macland. Macland. Recording from a Mac. Uh-oh. And uh, joining us after a week-long hiatus, wasn't able to be with us last week, we're glad to have him back, Jordan. Hiya, Georgie! Oh, God. Uh, nice, nice. <laughs> Hiya, Jordan! Uh, yeah, episode 166. In terms of what we've been playing, I completed Modern Warfare, uh, so that's good. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, so that's good. So that's good. Well, no, because remember I talked about last week, Dom, that I wanted to try to finish Modern Warfare and get more through Outer Worlds before the two games come out this week, which is Pokemon and Jedi Fallen Order. So I was able to get one of them completed, which is good. Uh, I didn't expect to like two of my favorite characters this year to be two women hailing from like the, I guess Parvati from uh, Outer Worlds. You can't really say she hails she's from great. the Middle East because she's like in space, right? But she's obviously has um, heritage uh, from there. And um, <laughs> Farah, I don't, I don't know what country she's from because they don't really say it during the campaign of Modern Warfare. Um, <laughs> But, like, she's a fantastic character, too, in that story. She's probably the one character who carries that entire narrative. Um, Is that really how they pronounce it? It's not Farah? Uh, Farah? Uh, I would assume so. It, I would assume Farah, yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Farah well, seems more like American, a like an, an Anglo, like, Americanized. Yeah, like, but, but Jared, don't they know how we talk over here? Don't Haven't they ever heard us talk? We wouldn't say it like that. Because even the I Overwatch... The Overwatch hero, name. yeah, the Overwatch hero of the well, same yeah, name. You've heard the like Jared saying, you've heard the Anglicaz, Anglicaz, God damn it, Anglicization. Yeah, we whited it. Whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, um, she. I don't know if you guys heard leading up to Modern Warfare how there was some controversial missions in which uh, it happened during the preview events of this child having to avoid soldiers in her own home and she'd have to like crawl through walls and um it was basically talking about how a lot of times these people who grow up in the middle east that are very anti-american it happens for some of them at a young age because they're the innocent bystanders whose families uh end up being uh cannon fodder in a war they're not even fighting right and they end up just being innocent victims in a war that's taking place near them that they have no involvement in so her, how else would America look to someone like that than an evil empire? You know? Exactly, um, and with her, she's basically the lens in which you see the past, and you you go back in time with her uh, when she was a child, and you see how she became this leader of a rebellion and what happened in her life to make her the way she is. And her brother's also a prominent character in the game, who they he's about I would say when you do the flashbacks seven or eight and she's about five and what they have to deal with both from being a male and a female and also their slight age gap you see how both of them are molded by growing up in a situation where they see their parents die they're kidnapped they they're forced into um encampments where they you know they don't really have any freedom or or ability to do exactly what they want and they break free of that and how that kind of shapes them throughout their life 
The one thing I will say that's pretty cool about this game is if you're somebody who played the first three Modern Warfare games, it touches on a lot of, obviously it has Captain Price from that trilogy in this game. He's one of the lead uh, non-playable characters. But it also touches on some of the story beats they hit in the first three games and they tease them at the end of the game for future installments. So I don't remember his name, Dom, but you remember the bad guy you're after in the first Modern Warfare? At the very beginning of the game, he has like the red beret kind of cap and he has the gold Desert Eagle. You know what I'm talking is about? It, is it Russian? Is it like Reznikov or some shit like that? Something like that. He appears He appears at the end of this game as he, he's finally making his movement in some city-state and he's trying to take over. And the the Russian, the Russian guy that helps you in Modern Warfare that ends up uh, dying, his also name ends with like Brevnikov or something like that. He's featured in uh, the campaign of this. Uh, it's it's a it's a solid story. Like the campaign isn't like mind melting by any means, or isn't super uh, revolutionary, or doesn't really do anything to push the medium forward. But what I will say that it does push forward is facial capture. Like yeah. this has some of the best facial capture I've seen in video games, let alone like. Uh, CG movies. It's obviously they have a massive budget behind this game, and it's really impressive what they were able to do with with the performance. I actually want, you know, we've heard about oh Hollywood's trying to produce this Call of Duty game, uh, movie over and over again for years. It's like the Uncharted movie, um, but I would love a, you know, how Final Fantasy tries to do the CG movies. I think Activision has like the capital behind it where they can try it out and see if it works without. The, you know, the CG film flopping and it really hurting the franchise as a whole, like w with what happened with Final Fantasy. Um, it's weird because the best 3D CG movies are usually just like video game cutscenes. Yeah, I'd agree. Like there's, there's very few examples of stuff that's like that high level quality. Uh, like you said, Final Fantasy will try to do one. Um, sometimes there will be an anime that does a 3D CG movie that gets up there, but it's weird that this specific style of animation that can certainly be done outside of video games, just it's more of an adult thing usually. You know, it looks better for adults is uh, probably why it's not as popular uh, because, unfortunately, in North America, uh, adults don't really go for animation, uh, but... Um, outside of obviously like I said video game cutscenes so it's weird that there is that kind of gap and honestly funny that you mentioned this Jared because I actually went and watched the cutscenes I actually watched uh, the Battlefront uh, cutscenes Battlefront 2 because that campaign was just not that enjoyable but it was a Star Wars story and it was this like high quality 3D CG right so I went and watched that on YouTube and then I tried watching a little bit of Modern Warfare um, but it was more just a, you know, it didn't have the appeal of Star Wars and it was not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but it, it seemed like a more paint by numbers, uh, yeah. military drama, you know, yeah. um, combat drama. So it was like, okay, I'm probably good here. I, I did appreciate the facial animations. I did recognize that. And, uh, it definitely seemed like they were trying to weave a narrative that was maybe a step above. Uh, Call of Duty, but um, yeah, it's it's kind of unfortunate that we don't get this this high level 3D CG animation outside of like I said, video game cutscenes. 
And uh, for someone like you, Dom, who obviously has a history with Modern Warfare, I would say when it goes on sale and you can get it for a really good price, I would definitely take the time to play through the campaign. I th- it's very enjoyable, really and it's worth it. Captain price? Uh, yeah, for a, a good captain <laughs> price. Um, like you said, it's very paint-by-numbers in terms of the overall narrative, but Farah is well-written. Uh, her yeah. Whoever voices her, it's a, I think it's a new voice actress... Um, that, that I think she also does obviously the facial capture and motion capture for her. Yeah, so she's how, phenomenal. How do we say that? Like you say, voice is a character, and that really only applies to like traditional voice acting, right? Like, what is the term that we would use in these future days of? I would say you know, she performs the character. I guess would be the best because that encapsulates a voicing yeah. plays the motion. Character. Maybe we'll maybe we'll just end up settling into plays the character like you would in. In any other, yeah, um, uh, a lot of tangents coming for me. Sorry, <laughs> no problem. Yeah, she carries uh, the, the the overall story campaign, and she's really great. Um, it's it's funny because I've had this recent string of uh, like female characters e- easily being the best characters in games for me. That's that's awesome because it went from a place where we didn't have lead female game characters to where then they were put in games because they wanted to change the tone, but they weren't really well written or they didn't provide an actual purpose for them being the leads. And then now we're at a point where like they're carrying some of the biggest franchises in gaming. Um, like Cassandra and Assassin's Creed Odyssey is like amazing. Still one of my favorite video game characters of all time. Um, it'll be interesting to see once they, we finally turn another corner and, the lead writers on these big AAA games are females, and maybe the protagonist is also female, and then we'll get that new perspective. That'll be really interesting. Man, and yeah. really quick, while since you mess and met Lord mentioned Cassandra, Anglicization, um, Anglicanization. <laughs> because you mentioned Cassandra, I'll I'll point out again as I did months ago. Um, that's an awesome character that has a shit ton of dialogue options. So. You're making that's even harder to do. I feel like um, to make a character that likable when you're also giving them, you know, five different dialogue choices in every in one of the you know in every single of the thousands of damn quests in that game. Yeah, where people are making their own character, but it still lands for so many people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's. Um, I feel like that's got to be even tougher. So yeah, kudos again to that team because Cassandra is fucking awesome. I didn't have much time to touch out of worlds, unfortunately, and I think that's going to be the game I play over holiday break, along with some others mm-hmm. um, that we'll get to later with the XO19 announcements, because we have Pokemon coming up and Jedi uh, Fallen Order, which are the two games that are going to take my primary focus. Pokemon is here, Jared. Pokemon is no longer coming up. Yeah, it's out, dude. Once we get off the yeah. show, it's we're literally just like preparing ourselves for the evening. Well, so, at least I'm going to play it tonight. I don't know and you. So, the, Jordan, the, you're in on it then. Cool. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the reviews I've read, too, even the ones that aren't super favorable, because it has had a deep... I think it's sitting like at a... Between 80 and 83 on Metacritic, so pretty good for a Pokemon game. Um, even the reviews that aren't as favorable talk about the thing that we have talked about where this isn't the game that we necessarily want on consoles but it does provide enough where it does look like a good step towards what we want um so that's good to hear what do you say jordan it'll get us going exactly exactly it's a step in the right direction um dom are you day one no no (laughs) you're what you're doing what i think you're day one on jedi fallen order right uh, well, no, because uh, 
No. Well, Don, I think I think I gotta ask. I would love to know what you think. Tell us, please. I just am not interested in Pokemon. That's the. That's all. Just like, is it is it a kitty game? Is it the collecting? It's it's more the aesthetic. Um, that I don't know. As it as it's gotten, you know, as as the years have gone by, and it's gotten onto more and more powerful hardware. To me, like it's like started to. I don't like the way it's looking. You know, the last the last iteration it was still on 3DS, so it's like, yeah, okay. It's still like, you know, that it was dumbed down enough, I guess, because of the hardware where it still looked good. This version to me is just like it was the same thing I thought with uh what's the other game? Uh, Animal Crossing. When we saw that footage and I was like, "Whoa, I don't know. I just and that's really superficial and uh not totally fair of me but that's that's where i'm sitting with it i just I, there's a I, bunch of other rpgs on the switch i really want to play first if that's a better way to yeah i think there's a stronger case to be made that like for animal crossing in my opinion it's more of an art style choice of like i don't think that game could ever look extraordinarily better but i do think there's a case to be made for pokemon where it's such a big franchise that like there comes a certain point where you need to what, we need to get a, a Pokemon game reveal where it's like, wow, we're not just like, okay, cool. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. I think there needs to be yeah. like a jaw-dropping Pokemon reveal at some point. It, it probably will never happen, though. It needs um, its Breath of the Wild. It needs its Mario Odyssey. Yeah. It just it felt like seeing you know that world kind of more detailed than it's ever been felt like uh, you know when you've read a book and then you know, you've been familiar with a book series for years or something like that. And then you and see then the, the movie comes out. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, it looked way better in my head. And that might yeah. not be fair to the people that made the movie, you know, but it, it's totally just the reality of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, and- even when we go back before even like pixel art was beautiful. Right. And just like eight bit there, I think I've talked about this with you before, Jared, there's something to be said for um, like old school RPGs, the pixel art, <clears throat> it's so limited in like what they're doing in their animations, but you use your imagination to kind of like reveal the world to yourself. Yeah. And then when they make the remake, kind of like what you're saying, Don, with book to movie, it's like, Ooh, I don't, I don't know if I imagine that. And then I think that's what's so important about both resident evil Two remake and final fantasy seven remake is that people have responded very positively for the most part to um the character kind of recreations it's like the less the less uh your mind has to do in terms of working through its imagination the less forgiving you are as somebody who's experiencing it you know because you're like oh this is i you know i don't have to work as hard but this isn't you know (laughs) it should look like this i already know what it should look like yeah and there's obviously a lot of subjectivity there so like like link's awakening was an example of, you know, they added more detail in the remake and, and it did work for me, but I'm sure, certain there's a, a good portion of people out there that are like weirded out by the remake. Like, no, that's not how I thought that this would look. With this would graphics. look or that. I've heard like, that. I have heard that. Well, yeah, yeah. Kyle Bossman from Easy Allies hard passed on, even though it's one of his favorite games because of the art style. Right. So, um, see, I just, ugh. you gotta give it a try, man. The art style shouldn't <laughs> like Dom, you're not interested in Pokemon period for the right. most part. Right. So, so it's yeah. like, I'm not going to fault you there, but like, yeah, if you're someone who's like gonna play this type of game, but then you see the art style and you're like, uh, fuck that. It's like, dude, ugh, come on, man. 
But for a game like Link's Awakening, it's like you see that you don't like that, and then it's also sixty dollars, you know. So it's like it's like a double. Oh, I get that part for sure. Yeah, uh, been going a, a while in terms of what I've been playing, so I don't want to take up too much more time. Um, all of these all of these tangents and conversations we've been having, Dom the Pokemon right. hater. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I'll wear that badge proudly. In ter- and Dragon Ball Z hater, you just like hate everything I love. I love it. Uh, Jared, I think you enjoy <laughs> bringing up the fact. That Dom hates Dragon Ball Z. Like, oh, and Dom, I just remembered. Oh, yeah, I revel in it. Uh, I own it. I gotta own it. Yeah. Revelry in the dark. Uh, anyways, uh, I'm trying to think of anything else I wanted to mention. Oh, uh, Mandalorian first episode. Watched it. Really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it looked like what I expected it to look. I thought it had the production qualities of of a Star Wars movie. Um, I, I'm. Some people are having issues with him never taking off his helmet and stuff like that. I, I, I'm not really feeling any of those issues i thought the writing was pretty solid i thought some of the new characters they yep. introduced were great my one criticism with it and i do think it's because it's a slower paced show that um is obviously heavily based on westerns and old samurai films i wish they were a little bit more forthright with names and like for people and locations and stuff it seems just like that information's uh. slowly trickling in that's not a huge gripe. Like I'm not like super holding it against the show. About, like, it's just like character names. Well, character names and locations. We didn't really get any of those in, um, in the first episode. Gotcha. Yeah, it's not a huge thing. It's more a nitpicky detail. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. The forging I scene is dope. I think that that ties into him keeping his helmet on. It's this show for me has an air of mystery that Star Wars has lost had lost for so long um and i think that is one thing that made the original original trilogy so special that neither the prequels nor the disney star wars movies have been able to capture for me which is that space uh that science fantasy not just sci-fi but the science fantasy aspect of it and the mystery and i think that that uh was intentional jared um like you said you kind of noticed that with the western vibes and all that um i get some of the complaints but i also disagree with a lot of them like i love the fact that it's a masked character and he is more mysterious and he may not necessarily be the squeaky clean bad guy that everybody loves to fucking root for um i get the complaints about um the blue guy character and then the animal that he ends up riding and kind of just like catching on really quickly i did kind of find those parts iffy but uh for first episode i thought it was really strong and i told you guys like has really restored a lot of faith in star wars for me because um it just has so many elements that i felt like had been missing for so long um and thankfully a lot of the elements have been brought over from uh the other two uh star wars television series we have which is clone wars and rebels um a lot of the the like i said the air of mystery and the dedication to like lore outside of just the skywalker saga really really appreciated that so guess just i'm just throwing my two cents in on mandalorian uh, also real quick for those who are listening we're not going to spoil anything so don't worry about that uh, just if you're listening, you don't have to yeah. turn it off. We're not going to spoil oh, yeah. anything. I was, I was planning on waiting until the season was over, but like I said, uh, kind of funny he's reviewing it, so I thought I'll just go ahead and watch it weekly. But 
yeah, I have not watched any trailers and have not like looked at any information online. I'm, I'm very much in line with that sentiment. You haven't watched it yet, Dom? No, I've been caught up with Outer Worlds. Uh, any of my free time, I've been put to that, and I just... I I didn't realize that Disney Plus uh, a lot of it is in uh, in 4K including this show. Yeah. So I wanted to prioritize. HDR. Yeah, I wanted to prioritize watching it uh, when I have the opportunity, like to on my you know actual Man, 4K TV. So, I don't even have a 4K TV, and I was watching The Lion King. Who baby, film is so one? beautiful. Um, what I will say, Dom, is I suggest getting to it sooner than later because. Which Lion King? Huh? Which Lion King were you watching? Oh, the original, the OG, the animated. Okay. I don't even know Wait. if the is a live action on Disney Plus. It may be a little early for that, but they are both beautiful films. Is the reason that I couldn't tell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good point. Uh, Dom, what I will say is get to it sooner than later because one of the things I loved uh, about it as a quote unquote pilot for the series is it ends yeah. with a really good jaw dropping moment that I think you know yeah. good TV so shows good. do well of like oh I can't wait for the second episode so right. yeah. Um, that's it for me. Dom, did obviously you talked about Outer Worlds? Are you any closer to finishing it? Did you finish it? Uh, no. I mean, I've spent a lot of time with it, but I don't. I mean, I think maybe I'm halfway done. What level are you? Twenty-one. Okay. Twenty-one or twenty-two? I know about what around what level you end the game at, but I don't want to spoil that for you, so I'm not going to say. Well, no, I want to know that. What is it? Uh, around thirty. So you might be farther than halfway. Shit. I mean, I've been doing a lot. I've been, like I said, sure you might be over leveled, right? For your area, who knows? I think I might be, but I mean, nothing. I, I, I talked about it a lot last week. There's nothing really new I can say. It's it's still really damn good. So, I'm really um, good. you didn't watch Mandalorian. Did you check out anything else on Disney Plus, or you just have been all focused on Outer Worlds? Uh, yeah, we watched Bugs Life and a little cool. Lizzie McGuire as one does. No. Oh my goodness gracious, Lizzie McGuire! This is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> Random rewatches from PG oh, yeah. or Disney Plus. Yeah. I, I loved say, the real quick the day that Disney Plus ahead, came yeah. out. I loved the two of the first things I watched in it is I started binging Recess, which is one of my favorite childhood oh, cartoons. Fuck. And I started binging Gargoyles, which is also one of my favorite oh, uh, cartoons as a kid. Heavily underrated. And the yeah. creator started a hashtag uh, hashtag on Twitter called Binging Gargoyles in hopes of like nice. seeing if enough. Nice promise was behind it so they can green light the series to come back and it was pretty successful man there was a lot of people talking about gargoyles which is dope Ooh, so. uh and also ben stiller in heavyweights great movie that's been heavyweights is on disney <laughs> plus i must yes. have missed it i need to go back and watch it's one of my favorite decoms dude I, so good so oh, good so good uh so, yeah I'm, yeah i was just gonna say that uh disney plus sees the first time release of the original Star Wars trilogy in mm-hmm. 4K, which is mm-hmm. fucking bonkers. And so I would definitely say, if you're not interest, super interested in having the despecialized edition and you're okay with watching the special editions, hit that up because that's the highest quality version you'll be able to find. Just in not time for a rewatch. 4K. Yeah, I'm stoked because I'm going to be watching through them again for episode 9. So, mm-hmm. stoked about that. Um, I guess that's it for Dom and I. Jordan is... Outside of, obviously, you, you gave your opinions on Mandalorian. Is there anything yes. in terms of video games or comics you wanted to mention? Uh, I guess it's been a couple weeks now, so yeah. Um, actually, not a lot of comics, though I will say, Jared, have you heard of Far Sector from DC? Yeah, it's the Green Lantern 12-issue series. 
Yeah, so it's a Green Lantern series that's actually under the Young Animal label, the Gerard Way uh, imprint, and so which is like where they do Doom Patrol and all that. So it's kind of like it's also those... like far flung future, way outside of in the outside outer reaches of space. What I was going to say is, for those unfamiliar, that's the guy who made Umbrella Academy. He's also the lead singer of My Chemical Romance. Correct. Yeah. Highly recommend the comic book Umbrella Academy. I made, a new, I made a new change, though, Jordan. Anything that is a limited series or, like, we know how many issues of it there's going to be, I made a change to where I'm not going to read it until the whole thing's out, and I'm only going to stick to idea. ongoing comics so I can pull back on the amount of comics I'm reading each week. And then it feels it's like an so event much every time. To stay caught up. Exactly. Yeah. It's so much easier to stay caught up, and then you feel more fulfilled with the miniseries because miniseries can be really tough week to week, man, or month to month. It's the telltale don't not thing of video games, where like you're reading yeah. one and then you're waiting for yeah. Sorry. Great way to go. Great way yeah. to go. Um, so yeah, Far Sector is technically a Green Lantern book, even though it's kind of like. Um, very different, technically in continuity, but continuity, but very different. Um, and it is very cool. Um, beautiful art, a lot of awesome sci-fi stuff in here. It's got a cool story so far. It's starting with a, a murder mystery because uh, they have basically had their first example of uh, violent crime in like five hundred years in this on this planet or whatever. So. Um, really interesting stuff really cool Green Lantern design uh, and highly re- recommend it to anyone uh, not just you know like hardcore comic people or Green Lantern people you know just a cool book so far and seems like like I said it, it it's not gonna be uh, heavily connected to like what fucking Batman and the Justice League are doing right this minute so big shout out to Far Sector uh, and in terms so yeah, of, really sorry, in terms of in, uh, inclusivity, um, at least on the front cover of the first issue, it's a black woman, which is really awesome. So, yeah, I mean that's that's not important to me. Uh, yeah, which is why I didn't mention it, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean like, she's a black woman, awesome. That's not uh, brownie points from my end. So it's like, that's uh, not the hook. It's just a that, cool. It's just a cool thing to mention. I'm not trying sure. to make a big deal out of it. Yeah. I was just trying to say, like, I'm not trying to downplay that fact. Yeah, yeah, I get I it. Didn't mention it is because it doesn't register for me. Yeah. Um, but it does for other people, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, so movies is where we're at. So big shout out to Good Boys. Now, Jared, you brought this up and recommended it to me back in the day. I mean, I still haven't seen yet. it. As a middle school super bad and. It kind of is that, but it, it's it's totally its own thing. I mean, it's a teen, goofy comedy, right? It is not necessarily anything special as far as that goes. And it is, I will also say, not very good looking. Very, like, Netflix original budget looking, even though this is a theatrical film. But uh, very fucking funny. I will say that much. Good to Highly hear. Highly recommend Good Boys. Highly recommend Good Boys. I love how I uh, recommend stuff, out. and then I'm like the last one to actually watch yeah, it. Yeah, so it funny. happens. Happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, huge shout out to Spirited Away, Studio Ghibli. Hell yeah. 
<coughs> on Halloween, I watched Arachnophobia for the first time. <laughs> nice. And then I rewatched It Follows. And oh, yeah. That was it's a good one. A fantastic choice. And is a fantastic movie. Near masterpiece levels, I will say. One of your horror watched, films. Love it. Yeah, oh. it's now one of mine after my rewatch. Uh, David Robert Mitchell is the writer-director, and so I watched his follow-up film, which is not a horror movie. It's basically kind of a, a Big Lebowski, L.A.-style movie uh, featuring Andrew Garfield called Under the Silver Lake. And it is... Not amazing, not nearly as good as like the Big Lebowski, I would say, but uh, still very interesting and cool and enough of its own thing that I would say if you very much enjoy It Follows, you would uh, probably want to check out David Robert Mitchell's second movie. Three Man, first names there. Three first you're, names. While you're on uh, scary movies, I should have mentioned, it was actually like two or three weeks ago I watched Midsommar. Uh, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, you guys had talked about it before and that was really really good it was really spooky and <laughs> fucking weird and like recommend this is great so, to hear because these are like all these films i have on my watch list and it's just like jared are yeah. you watch it already god damn it i didn't really like hereditary his first movie ari aster's first movie i liked midsommar better so that is good news for you jared uh um, real quick i know you've seen it probably jordan dom have you ever seen green room yeah uh, we talked I, a lot about that um, did you not like it I don't. I just don't really remember it. Maybe I should watch it again because it, it just didn't oh, stick out. I, I rewatched it like, I think around the time that. Uh, oh man, not Anton Yuri Yelchin. Anton Yelchin. I was thinking Yuri Lowenthal. Anton Yelchin died. I, I watched Green rewatch. Maybe Green I was Man. like drinking or something, and that's why I don't awesome. remember. Fucking, awesome thriller. Um, so yeah. Uh, since we're kind of on the horror tip, I will say that I, and you mentioned Midsommar, I watched the original Midsommar, which is The Wicker Man, and now I know why so many fucking people mentioned it in Midsommar reviews, because oh, it, it actually retroactively made me like Midsommar a little bit less, because I was like, wow, that's just a fucking copy, man. Like, it's, it's like... Uh, a new hope to Force Awakens is like what it is, Dom. Mm. Some people oh, consider that a bad thing. Some but it's don't. like if New Hope didn't exist, Force Awakens would be like, wow. But because, you know, New Hope exists and it's kind of the same template, it's like, well, I liked Force Awakens, but it's pretty much yeah. the same movie with some tweaks. I, I get what you're saying. It's cheapened me, a little bit. It's, yeah, yeah. You're, they're leaning too hard. You know, and if you wanted to do a remake or a tribute or something like that, just come out and say it. But the fact that you don't say it and then you make Midsommar or The Force Awakens and it's like you're almost using it as a crutch in that position, you know, in those situations. So I think the prequels made them err on the side of safety to that extent, Absolutely. which is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they've at least said that part, you know, yeah. they have said that part. So, um, OK, so let's see other horror movie. Shout out to The Perfection. If you like Twists and Turns, that's a Netflix movie uh, also watched on Halloween. Then I finished, finally finished the book by listening to the audiobook and uh, watched the miniseries of It. Then I did a double feature nice. of chapters one and two. Nice. And those two put together are five hours, guys. Yeah, that's a lot of movie. <laughs> yeah. 
So um, I I really enjoyed part one. I would say that it's really solid. Maybe not a great movie, but really good. And maybe a couple questionable bits about like parts that they changed from the book. But then the second one I would say is is good, but didn't like it nearly as much. I think the parts that they changed from the book are actually kind of almost egregious and whether or not they changed it from the book i just think the movie has problems uh on its own um but the the grown-up cast is great you know james mcavoy does a great job jessica chastain bill Hader, um the old spice guy um is awesome as mike hanlon um so i think isaiah mustafa is his name uh so yeah shout out to it the book the movies, the miniseries is cool, nice throwback. Uh, both versions of Pennywise, uh, Tim Curry and uh, Bill Skarsgård, very well done. And I will say, Bill Skarsgård fucking nailed it, dude. Like, people say that It Chapter One is not that scary of a movie. It's actually just like fucked up and disturbing. I'm like, you're out of your fucking mind, dude. I've been dying to be scared of a movie for years. For years I've been wanting to be scared by a movie because I watch so much horror that it just doesn't quite get to me anymore. And, like, It Chapter 1, knowing what happens from the book, like, still scared me. And Pennywise is on point, so... um, I love that he was like... I love that he was like, hey, I can do this weird thing with my eye, and they're like, cool, do it. (laughs) You know? Oh, he's, like, doing something the whole time? Well, the yeah, so he has this I, thing I that he does. I know talking about, like the cross-eyed look, right? Yeah, that's not like after, uh, like post production or anything. It was just like one day on set when they were getting ready to shoot the film. He's like, "Hey, I have this idea for the character. I, I want to do this thing with my eye. I think it'd be really unnerving to the audience." And they're like, "Try it out." And he did it, and the Holy director was like, "I love fuck, it, dude." His performance yeah. in both movies, even though like I don't love what they do with Pennywise in Chapter Two, but. Like, he nails it. That's the thing is, like, Chapter 2 isn't nearly as scary, and the scares that they do have I don't think are as good. Like, Chapter 1, as far as scares go and how fucked up and crazy scary Pennywise is, like, they nailed that, and he did as well. That that little tidbit that you said is, is just awesome. So, um, quick shouts-outs here. Uh, let's say movies. Uh, Peanut Butter Falcon. Um, Star Wars Revenge of the Sith is... Uh, not nearly as good as The Last Jedi, but um, probably the best of the prequels. Um, if Beale Street Could Talk, uh, Prisoners, huge shout out to Denis Villeneuve, who is the director of Blade Runner 2049 in the upcoming Dune, uh, directed Prisoners, which is an awesome thriller with Jill and Hall and Jackman. Uh, and then and our upcoming his... Riddler. The, the bad guy oh, in that Paul film Dano's is... Oh, Paul Dano's in Prisoners. Yeah. Damn, that's a fucking pull, Jared. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Dano is in Prisoners as well. And he's Love that film. And the Riddler. Oh, oh. I've seen that, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> Prisoners? Yeah. Yeah, Hugh Jackman's yeah, so daughter goes missing. Real quick, so good. Denis Villeneuve is like the fucking king of thrillers. If you've seen Sicario, if you've seen Prisoners, if you've seen Enemy with Jake Gyllenhaal, which came out the same year as Prisoners... Uh, Prisoners is about Hugh Jackman uh, losing his daughter and Terrence Howard is a family friend. They lose their daughters uh, to a kidnapping and 
Jake Gyllenhaal as this cop, and it is, it's two and a half hours, yeah. but it is a very good thriller. They the performances are off the fucking chain, and like I said, Denis Villeneuve is the fucking king of thrillers, man. Like, go watch Sicario and try not to piss your fucking pants. Like that shit is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Prisoners. Prisoners is is less of a thriller, but still, still got that psychological thriller. Dom is just like remembering this movie and yeah. utter fondness. It was a couple <laughs> years ago, but it was good, man. I, like you Very said good. it, and I, I was like, that sounds familiar. Jake Gyllenhaal, and then Hugh Jack yeah. was. Oh, I remember that. So that, that same brutal. year, they did a, a movie together. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Denis Villeneuve did a movie called Enemy together, where uh, I don't want to spoil anything. Actually, I'm not even going to say fuck all about en- Enemy. If you liked Prisoners, go watch Enemy with Jake okay. Gyllenhaal. Go okay. watch Enemy. All right. Even if you I'm didn't in. like Prisoners and you never heard of Denis Villeneuve, if you like good <laughs> movies, go watch Enemy. <laughs> um, okay, then I just want to give a quick shout-out to Polytechnic, uh, which is an earlier film of his before he was doing English-language films back in Montreal. And this is about a school shooting that actually happened in Montreal, I think in 89 or 90. And is, when I talk about thrillers, man, that shit is gut-wrenching from moment one till the end. Like, it is handled so well and done so well and is very tough to watch, very difficult to get through, but is, like I said, just so well done. And so, shout out to some of his earlier stuff um i should probably wrap up here but i'll just say this rick and morty season one i'm going back through the series real quick before uh season four uh finishes up so i can go through that and man just what a fucking show dude what a fucking show man like i'm cracking up i'm trying not to crack up right now just thinking about the lines from that show and the stupid goofy fucking bullshit that they make up for this goofy ass show, man, like I'm squanching over here, like oh god, squanchy, like there's so much stupid shit in that show that is just so fucking funny. So, uh, big shout out to Rick and Morty. Uh, no spoilers for episode one of season four, but it was great seeing that they put they had an analog a character that was an analog to their toxic part of their fan base in the actual episode. So oh, that's good. Funny. And the other thing I want to mention, shout out to Jeff Loveness, who's one of my favorite up-and-coming comic writers he's now an official co-producer on rick and morty so congrats to him loveness wrote something that i just read dude holy shit he did part of an annual recently uh trying to think of what else putting me on the spot uh i don't remember yeah he's brand new uh yeah strange skies over berlin strange skies over east berlin which is really good it wasn't Far Sector, was it? I don't know if he wrote Far Sector. Continue. I got the look up. Uh, okay. So we're going to be heading into the news portion. Usually we do quickie news and we have our topic. There wasn't much in the way of quickie news outside of Google Stadia announcing that a bunch of their features aren't going to be at launch, uh, which is very interesting uh, for that product. Man, that's a whole conversation for another day on how that whole thing is going to end up. Um, but obviously Xbox had their XO19 event which is now their annual uh, kind of like fan event that they do towards the end of the year. They've been doing, I think, three years now, including XO19. 
in the past years there hasn't been a whole lot of announcements just some updates maybe a couple of reveals in terms of acquisitions but nothing crazy this year i wouldn't say they blew the roof off or like they did anything extremely crazy but i do think it was a very well-rounded what did you say before we were recording dom it felt like half of an e3 in a good way like half of one of their e3 yeah. presentations yeah which um, was more than like you're saying we would have expected yeah it was cool a lot of good stuff i mean i didn't watch it but a lot of good cool announcements and things i would say from from an announcement perspective this was better than a couple of the past psx's like overall and vastly superior to the previous exos like vastly superior mm. um so we're gonna get through these if something pops out at you and you want to talk about it just let me know because we have quite a bit to go through uh so we're just gonna be heading down this list here uh it's kind of in chronological order with a couple of things i moved uh, around uh, for the sake of ending on a high note in terms of what they talked about so the first thing there was a teaser trailer for rare's new ip uh this game is going to be called Everwild. For those of you who maybe didn't see XO19, what I will say is imagine a Monster Hunter game, and this is all I'm getting from the teaser. It's not officially a Monster Hunter-like game, but imagine a Monster Hunter-like game, but with the art style of a Sea of Thieves, a Rare has been known for. So a little bit more cartoony, a little bit more colorful. Um, this one is a little bit more sci-fi for Rare too. Uh, they had a lot of creatures, and I guess the best way to put it is a lot of the made-up alien creatures in this look like they'd be the type of creatures you'd find in the Outer Worlds or maybe on uh, No Man's Sky, right? Those like very weird mashups of like, oh, that's a giant warthog, but it looks like a rat. So it's like a giant rat with tusks, right? Or uh, a deer with an elongated neck who's doesn't have antlers but instead has these like weird flowy flowery ears um jared yeah tales from the dark multiverse the death of superman is what jeff loveness recently wrote that i read i, I think i have yeah. that in my back catalog he writes he's been writing a lot of stuff i don't know if like with rick and morty if he's going to be doing a little bit less because it's going to be taking up yeah. quite a bit of his time but yeah he's a good up-and-coming writer say dc is doing so much Elseworld shit right now without calling any of it Elseworlds. And the Tales from the Dark Multiverse stuff is pretty cool. Shout out to Jeff Lopez. Um, back to the, the announcement of uh, Rare's new yes. IP. Sorry, it took a long time for me to look that up. That's fine. Um, it's interesting because it on the surface, if you took a quick glance in it, you wouldn't think it was a Rare game. But when you pay attention to the actual environment... And the way things are designed, it definitely gives off their feel. There was no comedy in this teaser. It was a very somber, very beautiful, slow-moving, orchestral-type trailer that's kind of just teasing the world. Um, none of the characters hunted creatures, but they were searching for them. So that's why I got the Monster Hunter vibe. Once again, I don't know what type of game this is. I do think this was a good enough teaser to excite fans of Xbox who were watching it, but wasn't... an it didn't give enough of the game away that when they come at E3 next year or the Scarlet announcement that we expect earlier in the year and they show more of the game, I don't think it will feel like it wasn't earned. You know what I mean? I think they did a good job here of teasing it, believing that little bit there for people to want more for the upcoming shows. Um, and for Rare to have a new IP, that's good. They also made sure to double down and say, we're still supporting Sea of Thieves. They had talked about a new update for that game as well, but at least they're willing to... 
Microsoft's letting them do something that necessarily isn't in their wheelhouse. Like I said, there it wasn't a comedic yeah. beat to it. When you hear about Rare, yeah. you're like, oh, it's a fun cartoony family type game yep. with some comedy built in. This had no comedy in it. So, really cool. No comedy. Next up, uh, Matt Booty. Shout out to him. Rocking everywhere. Uh, <laughs> wow. <he> had a <laughs> Thank you for getting that reference. Uh, head of Xbox Game Studios. So, Dom, which uh, video game executive once makes me want to hit myself in the head with a hammer more? Is it A, Mr. Matt Booty, or B, Doug Bowser? Based on their names or based on their actions? <laughs> based on the internet's reaction to them and its insistence to make jokes every single time Bowser. one of these people is mentioned, thank you, Jared. <laughs> Bowser. Uh, or is it maybe Bowser, Bowser. The fact that Nintendo and him, like Doug himself, are playing into the Bowser joke is just enough to make me turn the edge to where I'm like, okay, I, I can get with it. <laughs> Um, so he talked about, he came out in an interview afterwards and they asked him about Rare's new IP and why he wanted them to show it here at XO 18 And he talked about how he liked that they were working on a new IP and for them to be able to move off of Sea of Thieves and try their hand at something else creatively. But then he made a statement, um, which I really enjoyed. He said, as Xbox Game Studios, we've moved from a, a point of acquisition and growth to execution and delivery. And he basically went on to say that we've acquired all these studios. We're now at a point where we need to start showing what they're actually working on because we've heard the community. We know you guys want new games. We know you guys want new franchises. So we basically moved from a point of acquisition and growth, obviously buying all these studios. And now we're working on execution and delivery. So getting these games made and completed and delivering them to fans. Um, what I will say is I do think we're past the point of them acquiring a lot of studios. But I wouldn't be surprised if at the Scarlet event or at E3 we see a studio announced as a new acquisition. Um, I kind of take him at his word, they've though, done, that they're done. Sorry, go ahead. They, they've done the beefing up. You know, they're, yeah. they're beefed. They're fully beefed at this point. So it's like. Full beefed out. <laughs> yeah. Totally beefed Xbox, Microsoft. So um, they don't. To me, they don't need to. Like, you guys exactly. Yeah. You guys did a good job. I, I'm glad that he came out and said that, though, of like, hey, we were in the point of acquisition and growth. Now we're at the point of execution and delivery, right? He wanted people to know, like, you're not going to be – don't worry about, oh, all we're going to ever hear is acquisitions, but we're never going to hear about the new games. He's like, no, we're at the point now where we understand we have to show what these teams are executing on, what they're going to deliver, and why wow. we made the investment in them, you know? so That's a lot of kind of like marketing speak, like acquisition, execution, delivery, you know, it's like – but that's exactly what I I, I want to hear. From yeah, exactly. Yeah. We acquired. We are we are executing. You know. Exactly. Uh, speaking of acquiring, one of the studios they did acquire, Obsidian Entertainment, who's riding off of the high of the Outer Worlds right now, they revealed a new survival game, and boy, did this come out of left field. Because first, you're thinking, Obsidian Entertainment survival game, the studio that's like known for their really hardcore RPG games that people love. Um, yeah. What I will say about this game is it's called Grounded, and the way I'll describe it to you is imagine a survival game like Minecraft, but very much inspired by Bugs Life or Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. So, you're human beings, but you're shrunk down and you're navigating a world 
Oh. Under the normal world. So, like, the trailer shows you walking through, you see this giant baseball. A lot of the enemies are, like, insects and stuff. Yeah, I was um, thinking Toy Story, but yeah. Is this good. 2D, 3D, isometric? It's 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 3D. Um, it's The art style is, I don't know, it's not, like, unique or anything. It's just like, oh, it's a survival game. But it's... So, basically, what they talked about during the announcement is when they were working on Outer Worlds, this game was already in pre-production as, like... A test experiment right because a lot of these indie studios they test out a lot of projects to see what they can move forward with because they always need to be working on something to be able to have money flowing in right because the financial situations yeah. for those companies are so delicate so they were working on this game as a prototype once they were acquired by microsoft they weren't sure what exactly was going to happen if they could move forward with it or not they showed it off to microsoft execs and they're like hey we love this they greenlit it, and they're like, yeah, move forward with it. So, obviously, Obsidian has differing studios. They have the one studio that's working on Outer Worlds and RPGs, and they have this other studio that's working on Grounded. Um, it looks really fun. It's going to be coming out for game preview and in Game Pass next spring, and the game preview is going to be within Game Pass as well. So, if you don't have Game Pass, you can purchase the game preview like other game preview games, play it that way. But if you have Game Pass, it's going to release in there as well but remember it is a game preview game so it's early access essentially where they're going to be working on it um but this goes to the point of game pass of like it's another new game coming out that if you have the service you can try it out for free it might not be your jam but it is really cool to finally get that honey i shrunk the kids AAA game that people have not a lot of people have been wanting but when people watch honey i shrunk the kids and they're you know partially into video games they're like oh how interesting would that be to be so small and navigate a real life world because things that aren't really dangerous become dangerous right we're not afraid yeah, of that by any means we had that game and it was one of the better 2d zelda games and it was called the minish cap Ooh, yeah but i'm talking about game but that isn't 3d true <laughs> you you got me so i had to like reverse it but yeah you're right uh, also though jared i feel like you're you're thinking that there's all these fucking people out there watching honey i shrunk the kid franchise and being like boy i really would like a triple a game in this space like no Disney not even trust just came out no one was watching honey i shrunk the kids for years before that when I, I guess, I yeah, not the, specifically the video games. Yeah, but I think smallness. anybody who watched Honey, I Shrunk the Kids had the thought of, like, how would I navigate through that? Like, if I got shrunk down. I feel you, you on the uh, Bugs Life. The giant yeah. raindrops and shit like that, I feel you. Yeah. It looks really fun. I doubt either of you will be interested in it, honestly, because you guys aren't multiplayer people. I don't. It is going to be able to be played single player, but with survival games like that, especially like Minecraft, they're okay single player, but you get a lot of value from it and fun from playing with friends so i don't know if it necessarily hits your guys's demographic for what you guys like to do in video games but it looked cool yeah. it looked unique at the very I, least i get the name grounded but i don't think they nailed it yeah it's not a great name <laughs> uh I get the cons it. it makes sense but you didn't nail it yeah yeah um and the funny thing there too is like if this is going to be a digital only game that's releasing on game pass they don't really have to worry about marketing, so I wonder if they didn't even spend much time worrying about the name. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, and who yeah. knows? It's going to be an early access. They could change the name by the time it fully releases. Who knows? So, um, Next up, there wasn't a whole lot on this game, but uh, it's called West of Dead. Have either of you heard of it? No. It's, a, it's an indie game. It looks very much like 
Man, the name's escaping me. You guys know that recent indie game that came out where it's a, a roguelike, but it's like pinball? No. Boy. It's like a recent pinball release. Roguelike. You're 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 a guy going through dungeons with a sword, but you like hit stuff and it's like pinball. Anyways. Uh, oh, it's, I think I know what you're talking about. Is it uh, Creature in the Well? Creature in the Well. This has a very much Creature in the Well aesthetic of like very thick kind of non-accurate bolded black lines to the characters and objects and stuff um so wait did you play creature in the well no okay i'm wondering if this fucking pinball roguelike thing worked out uh i mean people like it all right i think reviews were like good not great if if i remember correctly in terms of critical reception fives, yeah yeah uh so west of dead is a roguelike featuring what I, in my opinion is Ghost Rider meets a cowboy. So think of like an old Western outlaw, but Ooh. he's a flaming skull head, right? And he has like the very oh, brash. Jared. After this like uh, Ghost Rider 1 billion BC or whatever, you know, um, now you got me thinking like, oh, I want a cowboy Ghost Rider. Like, <laughs> damn. That like an old cool, West. Dude. That'd be pretty dope. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like he's, he's riding a horse, obviously, just like the mammoth on the, the BC one. So. Oh, the good, the so bad, cool. and the devilish, or something. Yeah, like Jonah Hex Ghost Rider. So they didn't really show a whole lot of that game, and it didn't really. There's just wasn't a whole lot to it, but I mean, the concept on its own, a roguelike with a Ghost Rider type character, is going to get some people in the door. So that's cool. Also, considering it was featured here, I would wouldn't be surprised if it comes out day and date on Xbox uh, Game Pass. Once again, get to try that game out, see if I like it or not, uh, without any built-in uh, investment there. Next up, for all you kart racer fans out there, news to me, but apparently there's this very popular PC kart racer called Kart Rider. It's a franchise that has been on PC for a while now. Um, kart Rider Drift, it's coming to Xbox. It's going to have new modes and cross-play. It's going to be releasing in 2020 for free. Uh, this is not, free. not free in the sense of as a part of Xbox Game Pass. It's just a free-to-play game. It's very cutesy. It's like chibi kart racer. So I don't know how it's going to necessarily do with an audience of people who are looking for, you know, if you own an Xbox and you don't own a Switch and you want to play a kart racer, you have, you have Crash Team Racing, you have the uh, Sonic Team Racing, you have that new Garfield Racing game, and now you have this. So, all those Just kart racer the friends out there. What they want, Sony, Bloodborne Kart, make it happen. Got. We're talking about Xbox. No talk about Sony right now, Dom. Bloodborne cart. I, I, if Xbox can do it too, that's fine. <laughs> Bloodborne cart Bloodborne might be cart. difficult, but God, like so, like not Sony All Stars cart, like specifically Bloodborne characters. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very think, like uh, that. They would never ever do that, right? But then think about what the what it would actually be. You have all these gut wrenchingly insane enemies from Bloodborne, right? And you imagine them like all like huddled up in a tiny yeah. little cart going around and like. Like the guys with snakes on their heads are like biting the you Cthulhu as you go by, it? right? Yeah. Like, and then, and then Jordan, as crazy as the Castlevania like levels are, if that was an actual yeah. like kart racing level, it'd be so cool. Why and then don't your you cart... do Bloodborne Kart? And then your cart is like one of the trick weapons, so it like transforms. Yeah, you can chain. Oh. Yeah, oh, dude. Sonic, uh, it's like uh, Sonic and Friends All Star Sega Ultimate Team racing, Battle, Battle Racing Extravaganza. God, <laughs> those titles. Um, All-Star Transformed. 
So this next announcement, Ninja Theory gave an extended look at Bleeding Edge, which, remember, was their new game that yeah. leaked before E3, unfortunately, and then we finally saw it. It's a multiplayer melee-type game. It's going to yeah. be coming out March 24th, 2020. This is a type of game that I think they want to get it out the door because it's a game that's going to be better a year after it's released than it is at release. I think Ninja Theory has the freedom from Microsoft to be like, hey, release this game, get it better with the community, build a community of people that want to play it. The reason I'm excited it's coming out so soon in March, selfishly, is that it means that we'll get to hear about the next Ninja Theory game sooner, if that makes sense, you know what I mean? Because Bleeding Edge, even though I'm more of a multiplayer game guy than you guys, Ugh. not really feeling it, personally, so I want to see what Ninja Theory has cooking so, outside of this. I vibe with what you just said so much, Jared, because it's like, Okay, I like this director. Okay, I like this video game studio. Okay, I like this comic book writer. But I do not like what they're currently doing. So can we finish what they're currently doing so I can just see what the fuck is on the horizon? Because I like you, but I don't like this shit. So can we move on, please? It's like, it's like yeah. okay, I love you, Ninja Theory, but Bleeding Edge, like a multiplayer melee fucking no thank you. The thing I, I will say, though, is see what they have next. With Ninja Theory and Obsidian, the thing that people were worried about when they were acquired is, was, like, Microsoft going to have the iron hammer on them and be like, you oh, need to make yeah. this specific game. And with Grounded, as bad of a name as it is, and with Bleeding Edge, <laughs> they're giving him the freedom to release these games to try them out. Obviously, they're probably like, hey, we also want you to make the games you're known for, at least the type of games you're known for. But they are willing to give him the freedom to try this stuff out, too, which I really appreciate. Well, and um, you got to yeah, know... Go ahead. You got to assume that, like, during that acquisition stage, this was part of the deal. Whereas, like, Microsoft saw, like, progression on these games so far from both of those studios and said, like, oh, we, that's interesting. We like those. We want those, too. That's part of what they bought when they bought the developer, right? It was like... They'll take it. Well, both heads like, oh. said... Yeah. Well, both heads said that they... Both heads of Ninja Theory and Obsidian, when they were talking to Microsoft, said that, like, the financial security was invaluable, right? Like, we were really interested in it. But they didn't... What both of them said is they never had to get to the point where they had to overtly tell Microsoft we want our creative freedom because Microsoft apparently led with that in their discussions of like, before we start anything, we want you to let you know that if we acquire you, you guys are going to have full autonomy and creative control over what you guys are making. Obviously, you know, we'll have stipulations on releasing games at certain intervals, but yeah. apparently the creative freedom was there from the very beginning, so... And like yeah, you said, though, Dom, you... when they saw those other games, they're like, hell yeah, I greenlit this immediately. It looks awesome. Yeah. So, Jared, you said you were mentioning uh, Grounded being a bad name. And I, I know this is a bit of a tangent, but real quick, I just wanted to shout out the fact that we had formerly been making fun of the name Matt Makes Games for the studio that did Celeste, right? <laughs> yeah. And they changed the fucking name of that studio. Oh, I wonder if that's because he hired on more people? Probably. I'm pretty sure it's no longer Matt Makes Games. Oh, interesting. I'm. They're an interesting studio because that game was so focused on mental health, and that's something that they were behind in terms of like the vision for it. I'm really yeah. intrigued to see what they do with the success of Celeste, and if they stay in that same realm of smaller indie, or if they go to a little bit bigger of a project in scope. Who knows? Yeah, um, maybe if we pester them enough about Grounded, they'll change the name of that too. We're going to move through a lot of this quite quickly because at the end of it, we're probably going to be talking a uh, you know for a little bit. So, Next up, Planet Coaster coming Xbox Summer 2020. 
it's a really cool uh, theme park simulator game that people have loved on PC. Great to see it coming to console. Uh, this came as a surprise. Don't Nod announced a new game in collaboration with Ga Xbox Game Studios, so it's published by them. It's called Tell Me Why. If you've played Life is Strange, it's essentially that same kind of aesthetic. But the craziest thing, so it's coming out summer 2020, and in the announcement, Jordan, guess what they announced? All chapters. All chapters coming out at once. Ooh. The synopsis for this game, tell me why. You play as a pair of twins. One of them is transgender. It's a male and a female as adults, but they were both born as females. And it's about their emotional journey of growing up together, being twins, one of them being transgender. And obviously there's probably going to be some knowing don't nod supernatural elements to it that weren't very clear in the trailer. But it's coming out summer 2020, which is dope. All chapters at once. I wonder if Xbox is talking to them being like, hey, don't nod. We love what you guys do. But we need all of this to come out at once. You know what I mean? So, yeah, very interesting. That's another game going to be coming out day and date on Xbox Game Pass that I can't wait to check out. Um, yeah, I really enjoy Don't Nod. Next up, do you guys remember the Artful Escape from E3 like 2017? It was the very colorful musician, like guitar playing, music centric 2D uh, side scroller game. Cool. Disappeared for two years. Showed up here. Going to be releasing in 2020. So, no official date yet. We'll probably get that at uh, E3, I assume. So, Next. I hate to keep interrupting, but I just want to be accurate here. They technically shut down Matt Makes Games, and the same people then uh, started the studio Extremely OK Games, which is still <laughs> not a huge improvement in the name department, but we'll take it. Yeah, yes. I would take that as a name change, too, because it's composed of the same people, you know. Anyways, next up, Dom, Project X Cloud. I know you've been excited about the streaming future. So, they didn't have too much to say. I guess they had enough to say. First off, A, coming to Windows 10 in 2020. Cool. B, developers who build games for Xbox are already building games for X Cloud, so there's little to no additional effort needed for them to be on the streaming service. That's great, especially with all the news we're hearing huh. about the terrible launch lineup for Google Stadia. C. Forgot that Stadia existed until today. Uh, C. Like a, a month. Uh, EA is like a huge partner for Microsoft with the streaming stuff. They brought somebody from EA out on stage. They talked about it. Madden's going to be on the service. Seems like e having EA in your corner for the streaming future is pretty important because whether you like them or hate them, they're one of the industry's biggest publishers. So it's good yeah. to at least have them on your side. Uh, lastly, well, second to last, xCloud will be included in Game Pass, which is dope. Uh, unclear if uh, Game Pass Ultimate or Game Pass. My assumption would be Game Pass Ultimate, not the base Game Pass. Um, they talked about the beta. They talked about trying to release it next year. There's some comments from Phil Spencer later we'll get into regarding xCloud. The last thing I wanted so to mention. Did they state clearly what xCloud is? Yeah, it's a streaming service where you're able to stream your Xbox. Like, it's basically streaming an Xbox to any and all devices. Okay, so remote play. Uh, Not the PlayStation remote play. Different than that, but it's similar. like it's like you can you can stream any game you own or anything for to any device. 
but you don't need your own Xbox on. Yeah. So it's it's Stadia basically, except uh, gotcha. The part of a subscription gotcha. service. We now know that Game Pass is in some form gonna have you know XCloud built into but it. Then, whatever. The look, the look. Like, you can use your own Xbox as a server, but that's not necessarily like you said what you're interfacing with like you're you're going straight to a microsoft server so that there's no lag yes and that local version is free you don't have to pay for the local version of it so local free remote play essentially uh yeah yeah and lastly this is crazy they mentioned the the name sony on stage jordan they announced that various bluetooth controllers will be able to be used on xcloud including and they named sony's dualshock 4 Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Microsoft is really tearing down those walls, and I thank them so much for that of, like, other video game console manufacturers exist, you know? like Yeah, not Voldemorting it. like they fucking exist, and of course there's the whole, like, uh, video game awards or whatever uh, situation where the three... uh, Only one remains. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That that is weird, but... um, so that was kind of hokey a little bit, but um, but yeah, it's good to see there's at least Phil Spencer is willing to be like, yeah, PlayStation and Nintendo Switch are a thing. Let's get over it, yeah. you know? And I think they also understand that uh, gamers can be very, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, petty? Diverse? And, uh, oh. Well, I guess diverse too, but like, there are going to be people who aren't opposed to Xbox, but like, man, I really don't want to use xCloud if I have to use an Xbox controller because I prefer DualShock. Now they're like, cool, use your DualShock. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you don't have to worry about yeah, that. Yeah, really those cool. like those petty complaints from before are like, well, sorry, asshole. Now you don't have anything <laughs> well, to go on. <laughs> What's your argument now exactly? Yeah. So that's yeah, really cool. It's like a. This it felt like almost literally a. Uh, oh, you don't. You only have a PlayStation. Well. You don't need to buy an Xbox. You can you can even use the controller you already have and play yep. Xbox games through this service, which is that's fucking awesome. They're they're yeah. cutting out all possible obstacles. Right. Exactly. Right. Uh, some more announcements here to go through quickly. Uh, Yakuza Kiwami Zero, One, and Two are coming to Game Pass in 2020. Huge, hmm. because Yakuza has been a franchise only on PlayStation uh, in terms of consoles. I think it's also on PC. Um, but that's huge. Yakuza has always been a series me personally. I've wanted to try out, and now without the having to commit to actually purchasing the games, so I can try them out on Game Pass. So that's really cool. Uh, Did Judgment come out on Xbox? No. Actually, yeah, it was. So that's... I don't. I don't think so. I could be wrong about that though. Judge Eyes, as it was called in Japan. Uh, yeah. Next up, uh, developers of The Flame and the Flood, The Molasses Flood, uh, announced a new game called Drake Hollow. Not much information outside of the name. A brief teaser of some kids going through some dark woods, which is obviously very reminiscent of The Flame and the Flood, uh, or Don't Starve Together, if you're familiar with that piece of game. And that game is also launching on Game Pass in 2020. Any indication if that's a survival similar to Flame and the Flood? If there, There was no indication in the trailer, but I think if you are familiar with The Flame and the Flood, you'd be like, oh, okay, this is in the same vein different theme and setting and stuff but yeah i enjoyed that so i'm looking out for their next game for sure next up halo reach uh the 4k version of it's going to be releasing on xbox one and pc on december 3rd this is essentially the remaster of halo reach because obviously reach wasn't included in master chief collection 
on top of that, the rest of Master Chief Collection will follow Halo Reach on PC as well in the coming months. So that's good. Now, for Reach was previously on the Master Chief Collection, just to be clear. Yeah, but with the PC version, Didn't they launched were... with it. Exactly, yeah. Um, next up, they unveiled Age of Empires 4, which this drew a huge response from people. People love Age of Empires. It was initially announced two years ago, and we hadn't seen anything since. This was the first gameplay reveal since then. Um, looked great. They uh, unveiled the studio who's now responsible solely for making Age of Empires. They're called World's Edge, which I think is a pretty cool studio name. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A lot better than Matt makes games are <laughs> extremely okay games. Uh, yeah, so they're going to be focused solely on Age of Empires. They said we'll hear more about that game in the future. They also talked about the Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition, which also launched today, the day of recording, November 14th. Uh, what else is here? Minecraft Dungeons is coming April 20th. Uh, April 2020, sorry. It's Diablo, but in the Minecraft world, also launching on Game Pass. I can't wait to check it out. As somebody who's always been interested in Diablo but never dove in, this is a cool way to get into it in a world I'm familiar with. Um, yeah, they did some gameplay of it. If you, you like Minecraft, you're probably going to love this game. If you like Minecraft and Diablo, it's like a perfect combination, obviously. Next up, Wasteland 3, which is from In Exile. Once again, this goes back to the previous thing, uh, Jordan, about Ninja Theory. Wasteland 3 is coming out May 2020. I can't wait because I have no interest in this game and I can't wait to see the next thing in Exile makes. Stepping over that one and moving on to the next. Exactly. Seeing reception on Twitter and social media, people who are really into Wasteland really liked what they saw. Apparently it's a step up in terms of graphics and just overall polish of the game for the series. Yeah. So that's cool. Doesn't really do much for me. Now, I'm not huge into those classic computer RPGs. Did In Exile do Disco Elysium? Can one of you Google that while I'm going through this? That's actually a good I question. Certainly will. Yeah, That'll which is obviously a hit a hit one. game as of 2019 right now. It's one of those under the under the scene uh, games that people are loving. Uh, it's going to be talked about during the end of the year Finally game of the year discussions. To console next year. Uh, it was developed by Z A slash U M Zaum. Zaum. So so not. Okay, we're getting to the meat of this. This is where some big bombs were dropped, Jordan. You ready for this? Big bombs. Coming to Game Pass in 2020, Final Fantasy 7, 8, 9, 10, 10, 2, 13, 13, 2, Lightning Returns, and 15. So, nothing before 7? Nothing before 7, no. That is so weird. That is so weird. (laughs) Well, have they released... That's not even a console break. Like, 6 and 7 are both on PlayStation 1. So that doesn't even make sense from, like... Oh, they'll let us have the PS2 versions, but not the PS1. Can you play Final Fantasy 6 on PS4, though? Uh... Maybe that's the point, because I know you can play them on PC, but I don't know if you can play anything before 7 on PS4. Can you play 6 on Switch? I don't think so. I don't think so. We're about to find out, because I need to turn on my Switch anyways. So I need you to listen to this, though, Jordan, because this is another bomb. You ready for this? Yeah, yeah. What would you say, Jared? <laughs> Coming in 2020, 
A kingdom, uh, actually, Shadow dropped today a Kingdom Hearts 3 demo to try out the game if you haven't bought it yet. Great. Coming in 20... <laughs> and you'll understand why this happened, Jordan. Coming in 2020, Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 plus 2.5 Remix and the 2.8 Prologue are both coming to Xbox. Finally, for the love of God, they're finally After. coming to Xbox. After the game releases. Exactly. Hey, we can't pick and choose our fights. Jordan, we're thankful that it's actually coming to Xbox in the first place. Pokemon 1.0. Pokemon Shield 1.0 is installed and ready to go, gentlemen. Hell yes. For anybody out there on Xbox who was wondering, hey, why should I buy Kingdom Hearts 3? I didn't play the first two. I'm a young little boy playing Fortnite. You'll finally get the <laughs> chance to catch up on the series. I'm going to be buying these games. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I bitched and moaned. And upon you completing did. these, yeah. I might finally come back and finish Kingdom Hearts 3 since I never beat it. Now I'm at the yeah, point so where, like, I'm not going to go back and beat it because I might as well just wait, right? And just play through the rest of them play it at this point. Jared, would you be, mind, would you be a deer and repeat which Final Fantasy games are coming to Game Pass? 7, 8, 9, 10, 10, 2, 13, 13, 2, Lightning Returns, and 15. Weird that 12 is skipped, So that is too. more than on Switch. I guess... Isn't 12 it an MMO? It where Switch couldn't handle it anymore, which is 12, because they, I guess they couldn't do 13 and 13-2 and Lightning Returns on I, Switch. I maybe. think 14 is the MMO. Well, 14 is an MMO, but I think is it, yeah. I thought 12 was too. No, 12 is not. Uh, 11 okay. is. 11. Okay, oh. that's the other one that's missing that. Yeah, 11 and 12. Um, next up, they did an, Xbox, uh, an ID at Xbox montage, all of those games coming out at launch. There was a ton of them. I can't name them all. I didn't even list them all. There was a lot of them. Uh, so if you're interested in indie games coming to Game Pass, go watch Replay XO19 and go to that section and watch the montage. Um, they did a good job of... They showed all the games and the titles and everything. I just was... I didn't feel like writing all of them down, if I want to be honest. Uh, next up... break those montages out, too. This is the big uh, Game Pass announcement, Jordan and Dom. You guys ready for this? I'm going to go through all of the noteworthy titles and then... We'll move on to the next bit, okay? So, Shadow Drop today, the day of XO19 coming to Game Pass. Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition, which we talked about. The Talos Principle, which is a lauded, like, puzzle game that people love for a long time. The Ninjago Lego Movie Game. Cool. That's awesome. Rage 2, which I'm stoked for because that's a game I wanted to play earlier this year. I never got around to, and at least I can try it free on Game Pass. And another game that actually had really good critical reception and I wanted to play so badly, Remnant from the Ashes. I don't know if you guys are familiar nice. with it. It was a procedurally yeah. generated roguelike Dark Soulsy type game. Have Rage 2 and Remnant currently downloading today as, as those were announced. Whoa. So that's great, right? Two awesome games coming today. A myriad of other titles if you're interested in them. Coming this holiday to Xbox Game Pass... And they kind of stipulated as like before the end of the year. We got My Friend Pedro, which is that 2D action indie game with the banana. Uh, yeah. The Escapist 2. Halo Reach, as previously mentioned. Life is Strange 2, the complete season. Darksiders 3, which is another game I was interested in at least trying out. Uh, so it's cool it's coming to, to Xbox Game Pass. And lastly, The Witcher 3, which obviously old game is old, but it's The Witcher 3. It's a great Hell thing to have yeah. on Xbox Game Pass. Um, now, the last thing I wanted to mention. Games coming 
to Game Pass in 2020. I'm not going to mention... Uh, we already talked about Final Fantasy games, so I don't really have to talk about those. But remember, Ori's coming out. Uh, Forager, which is this really neat, cute indie game. And all of the other previously mentioned Xbox One exclusive titles like Grounded and Bleeding Edge and Wasteland 3 and Minecraft Dungeon. So... Quite a bit happening for Xbox Game Pass. I, I don't think there's an argument to be made that it's the best value in video games, hands down. It's not even close. Like It's so, ridiculous. Remnant from the Ashes is a third-person action-adventure game? Yeah, it's like a, it's a roguelike procedurally generated. So me and you can play well, through I get, it. I get that part of it, but the yeah. moment-to-moment gameplay is what yeah. I'm asking about. Third-person, it's Soulsy. Very much Soulsy. Soulsy, okay, but I'm I'm seeing shooting here, so that's very yeah interesting. Um, lastly, before we head out, Phil Spencer came on stage to talk. Our boy Phil Spencer, he had some things to say about Xbox in general. He had some things to say about XCloud, and he had some things to say about Project Scarlet. So, and he had Phil's, some things to say about Hong Kong. He had and some also, things. <laughs> he had some things to say about Matt Mix Games. Uh, yeah. so. <laughs> He came out and said he understands the community's want, uh, the community's want for new Xbox franchises and the third-party series that are on the platform to come. So he's listening. He understands, like, hey, you're getting all these studios. It's great. We want to see the actual new franchises for Xbox. We want things to cheer for in our corner. Also, hey, there's these third-party series that don't come to Xbox that we want. We saw that Final Fantasy coming to Game Pass. All of those games. The Kingdom Hearts That's a thing, big right? Deal, man. I know it's a, been a long time since Final Fantasy went multi-platform, but those old PlayStation One versions—that's big. Yeah, um, he he went then went on to say, X, "Project X Cloud, uh, Project X Cloud's quote unquote done state is years from now. I want everyone to know it's a work in progress. We're not trying to pitch it as complete, which I think is a direct." statement made because of what's happening with Google Stadia right now uh, where this product is releasing without a lot of features they talked about they didn't necessarily promise them at launch but people insinuated that would be the case uh, even the controller isn't going to work as they pitched it necessarily and people the whole argument with Stadia is like if you would just pitch this as early access you buy into early access it'd go over a lot a lot better but they're shipping this and selling this as a complete product and it's not going to be that at launch right so well, I do think that like this was a direct doing reflection the whole of that pro pro founders pack or whatever like exactly they're doing it as pre- like a finished you're doing project premium level stuff exactly for an alpha build yeah, and it's a, not matching that yeah they're fumbling how they're setting this off this year I think big time but their opportunity is going to be next year um, when it's a little more mature has more games for one with the but release of two new consoles it, yeah absolutely because it's going to look great next to those because you don't have to pitch out four or five hundred dollars to get in. It's just you already have it. That's you know what I mean. That's going to be their pitch next year. Like, if oh, they have, new... if they have the roster of video games people want to play, because that's right. It's going to it's going to have to have uh, the games that are coming out. You know, day and date as the other consoles. That's the, has to have that. But um, we'll see. I guess. But I'm assuming it will by then. Yeah, people assume that. <laughs> it, there, there's a lot of assumptions of the Stadia that people thought would happen at its launch that are not happening, too. Because we assume, you know, Google's this big company with all this money. They can't get it wrong. And it's like, oh. Well, it, I think, yeah, it's more timing and they've screwed up. But, like, because they can't, because developers had to make the games for Stadia, right? So if they 
games that are coming out today for Xbox One and PS4 have only been started, you know, at most a year ago probably for Stadia, so they just take more time. But that's why I think by next year, you know, the major publishers and developers will be able to have Stadia games coming out day and date. You would hope. I assume that's the plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see. I just, man, first impressions mean a lot, and it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I have faith in the technology, so do you. We tr- we've, done, we've played the technology. It works. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. In terms of the next-gen consoles, which I also mentioned earlier, Phil Spencer went on to say about Project Scarlet, we will not be out of position on power or price. We're all in on Project Scarlet, and I want to compete. And I want to compete in the right ways, which is why we're focused on cross-play and backwards compa- uh, compatibility. Dude, so, they got that fucking hot blade coming for you, PlayStation. <laughs> Can you feel it? I think they're the, coming it, after you, motherfuckers. His comment about we're gonna we're not gonna be out of position on power price, which we already assumed there was no way this console is gonna be more than five hundred. I'm intrigued to see how aggressive or competitive they get with the pricing for it. Um, I doubt it'll be lower than 400. There's absolutely no way, but will, will it land at 400? Will it land at 500? Will it land at four, somewhere in between? Now, you know, 450. 399 is for 400, right? That's not. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, we all know tax and all that. Come on now, give me a break. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, just saying, like 399, I think is is would be a dream for this next generation, but I don't think we're gonna get it. I think they're gonna yeah. start at 499. If you're like Jared, put mon- your life savings down on what the price is going to be, and you have to choose one. I would go four ninety nine, mm-hmm. but going three ninety nine, that'd be impressive, and it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. Because do we have a situation where one console is more expensive, like we did with the launch of the last set of consoles? Mm-hmm. Who 0% knows? Percent chance of that, I think. You don't think so? Because the hardware so far that we know has been described as they're pretty much the same, so I would anticipate that. They're going to cost similar. and uh, But it depends on how much the company wants to lose, right? Because consoles do sell at a loss. It's like, how? here's the thing, Dom, is like, does it make sense to sell them for $499, which would be the normal cost, and they can get away with that, but they get ultra-aggressive and sell it at $399, would both of them be that ultra-aggressive? That's you know the I mean? type of shit I'm talking about where Microsoft, That's it sounds cutthroat, what he's saying to me. Like, legitimately in a in a very exciting way for me because i want to see how they play this game with playstation coming up with this next gen because currently playstation is not even in the stadium to play the game right like fucking phil spencer's tapping his his fucking bat on the home plate and he's like ready to swing and fucking sony just hasn't even showed up to the arena so if they decide to play ball, then I really can't wait to see how Microsoft uh, handles it because so far they are they're ready to fucking play, man. They are stepping up to the plate for real. The interesting thing is, if the Xbox comes out of four hundred and PS Five comes out of five hundred, I think the Xbox gets the edge, but PS Five, I think tons of people will still buy it. If the PlayStation comes out of four hundred and the Xbox comes out of five hundred. We could have a repeat of the Xbox One situation. You know what I mean? I think it's different mm-hmm. for both of them. Um, I think it hurts yeah. Xbox more if they're if they're not the leading price and they're so far behind. Whereas with PlayStation, yeah. I think it'll hurt them a little bit, but not to the extent it would hurt Xbox. So they have to be competitive. Whereas I don't know if PlayStation or- feels they need to have the same price as Xbox. You know what I mean? If that makes sense? No, I don't know. Yeah, there's different mm-hmm. circumstances for each individual, you know, 
uh, company. Yeah, but I think they're both aware. Like that's what Phil is saying is he's aware of what you're saying. He doesn't want to be overpriced, right? And was it Jim Ryan or someone from Sony said something a few weeks back similar? Like, yeah, we remember what happened with our PS3 and we, we screwed that up. The price was too high and some other things. So I think both of them are going to be conscious uh, to not be, you know, higher price than I, the other. What I'll say at this point is I have more faith in Phil not to mess something up than Jim Ryan based yeah. on yeah. what they've said. Also, he also well, said, knows? you guys hate <laughs> controllers, right? You want to just use Mind Link on this next go-around? Why would people play old games? They look awful. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm taking them for their word, of course. But. Exactly, yeah. And who's to say as a brand versus an individual? Who knows? Dude, him saying that about backwards compatibility, Jared, is almost like someone in the film industry being like, why would anyone ever want to watch The Godfather? It was made all those years ago. They didn't even have high-definition cameras. Oh, God. Uh, we're going to be closing out now in terms of what we're going to be playing. Jedi Fallen Order and Pokemon. I think Outer Worlds is going to have to take the backseat for now, unfortunately. But it's just the way it is sometimes. Uh, that's pretty much it for me. Obviously, the next episode of uh, The Mandalorian. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, baby. Jo- uh, or Dom. Outer Worlds, I'm assuming, more for you, Dom. Yeah. Dude, it's just so good. I just want to keep playing Outer Worlds, and that's I'm teetering. I'm gonna say I've I've been so close. Like everything I've heard from you know actual people now, not reviewers, about Death Stranding has just got me more and more interesting in it. And man, their marketing, yeah, oh yeah, and their their marketing, not the in-game marketing that we talked about, but the marketing for the game, um, has been just fucking on point. Like I gotta give them a lot of kudos for what they've done with that. um, Question as far as getting like uh, different. Uh, bands specifically uh, involved in making music for this game and stuff like that. It's getting me really like into it. So, so you're closer to buying Death Stranding than you are Jedi Fallen Order. Well, yeah, just because um, well, I, a lot of people have played Death Stranding, and I've gotten a lot of impressions from it so far. Whereas I haven't even seen a review. Like the reviews for Fallen Order aren't coming out until the, the game comes out. So that's so that's what they come kind out of a couple of hours. Failed. Yeah, not a bad thing. So... There's been good games where the reviews come out the same day. Yeah, no, Death certainly. Death Stranding I'm not... reviews have actually made me glad that I did not go for it day one. I'm like, yeah, I can wait on Death Stranding. Were you say dump? Sorry. Yeah, I, uh, certain many games have had that, you know, reviews that come out you know, when the game releases and have been graded. I'm not, I'm not treating that like as a sign that it's gonna be bad. It's just oh, okay, I got less saying. confirmed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I'm, I don't know. We'll see. I'm still playing <laughs> Outer Worlds, so I'm kind of like, ultimately, I'm still there. Yeah, like, uh, so I, I guess like touting packages around is getting your your whistle wet, huh, Dom? I, I yeah, I don't know. Everything I, I've just been reading a lot of posts and tweets from people, which I thought it would be kind of the opposite. Where like, yeah, a handful of reviewers really liked it, but then all the you know the more real quote unquote people um, wouldn't be as into it. But it's been mm. like kind of the opposite. Where like at least some reviewers were kind of like, eh, not my thing. But I don't know, maybe. And this made me want to bring up a whole other discussion about like social media and what what kind of bubbles we live in and such. But I don't know. I just feel like I've been getting a, stranding. Yeah, I just feel like Man, I've been hearing a lot of good. Uh, from people, I have a locked and loaded takedown for Death Stranding of like, for Ooh. and I don't want to get into it, it's a whole like tangent, but you know how you guys know my opinions on Breath of the Wild of like how I feel all of these things they were saying were revolutionary about it being an open world game. I felt that other games did, and it's just finally coming to the Zelda franchise. With yeah. Death Stranding, it's like all the stuff of people talking about patiently walking from place to place and doing all the stuff. I've heard people bitch about that same stuff in like Assassin's Creed games or open world games of like, I don't know. It's just 
you slap the term art yeah. on it and people turn things that they'd hate into things that they love. That's the thing that oh, frustrates yeah. me. And the, also the discussion of once somebody says something's art, apparently people aren't allowed to dislike it because all art is supposed to be good, which isn't the case. The whole point of art is subjective. You know what I mean? I'm fine with people liking Death Stranding or not liking Death Stranding, but it bothers me that people will use it as a defense of why it's good. Like, oh no, Death Stranding is yeah. good is because is because it's art. It's good because it's art, which that yeah. isn't a case for why something is good or bad. Yeah, that'd be weird. Right. I've not heard that one. That's like, I've that heard plenty of takes about itself. that. Yeah, it's and nothing against Death Stranding. It's specifically, it's just people using that as a case for that game specifically. So yeah, yeah. Anyways, I mean, you uh, know I agree with that, Jared, because I I fucking hate when people go, "Oh, this game is great," and it's like the gameplay fucking blows, but the story's good or the the multiplayer is good. Something's fucking good in the game, and so they can just say, "Oh, it's a great game." It's like, well, there's a lot of different elements to that, man. And it's gameplay a, is king to me. It's a game I'm curious about, and I'll eventually pick up for twenty bucks, but I don't think I'll be touching it anytime soon. Personally. Yeah, I'm going to wait. Uh, Jordan, anything you're going to be playing, watching? Pokemon, obviously. So, yeah, we're we're raring to go here on Pokemon Shield, Jared. And, of course, you'll be playing Sword, so I can't wait to see, um, you know, how our first week with the game goes uh, here in a few days. But uh, we've got that. And then, as you'll note, I did not bring up playing uh, Need for Speed Heat. Uh, which came mm-hmm. out last week, the same day as Death Stranding. So actually passed on both of those games. Um, or not passed, I should say. Just uh, held and, and waited on both of those games. Uh, probably for a sale on uh, probably both. I might you know, break down and get into Need for Speed at some point. I've been thinking about just doing the DLC that I haven't ever played for Burnout Paradise. Uh, but that's like a whole, you know, that's going back a few years. So, um, Need for Speed seems like from reviews that it is uh, certainly better than Payback, uh, which how could it not be in a lot of ways? Um, certainly better than Payback, but is not necessarily anything stellar from what I hear. Um, not necessarily going to blow you out of the water. So, it may be a perfect, you know, $40 game. It may be a perfect Christmas game. It may be perfect when I just have a hankering in a week, and I, like I said, I break down and play it. But uh, it didn't need to be a day one purchase, like Need for Speed usually is for me, because uh, EA has screwed me multiple times, which is also the reason that I'm not day one on uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which is even crazier. I have an even you know bigger attachment to Star Wars than Need for Speed, so um, that is also going to have to wait. Not because I. I don't think the game's going to be good, but, uh, you know, I mentioned Battlefront 2 earlier, and I just got screwed so hard by EA on that, and then got screwed so hard by EA on EA, uh, on Need for Speed Payback, not EA Payback. Although, when you think about all the microtransactions they shoved into that game, you could think of it as EA Payback as opposed to Need for Speed Payback. Um, nonetheless waiting on those EA games, waiting on that Death Stranding, uh, but Pokemon is is definitely day one, and then I still have excitement for those other games, you know, I still have those, they're, they're not going anywhere, and they're only going to get cheaper, so it's like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm letting the excitement build, on a, honestly, so yeah. 
man, God, I love pre-downloading because like once a nine hits, I can play Pokemon and Jedi Fallen Order. Like, oh, preloading is so good. Um, Hell yeah, dude. I do, and I'll say this, man. I love a day when two games that you're really excited about come out, and you, you you're like, all right, I'm gonna play this game that I'm really excited about, and then if I ever even start to get tired of it, not even really get tired of it, you know, just just want to take a break. And I can just hop over to this other game that I'm also very excited about. Really cool. Yeah, and then, man, I play Apex Legends, like, almost every other day for at least, like, ten minutes. You know what I mean? Hop into a couple of matches. So, like, sure. uh, oh, I can't wait. That's been it for this week's show of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. If you can, please follow us on iTunes. Leave us a review. It definitely helps us move up in the dreaded algorithm. Head on over to algorithm. YouTube. Search Controlled Interest. We'll pop up. Subscribe. Hit the bell notification so you know when we upload new videos. Go to Twitter at C-O-T-R-L-I-N-T, that's Controlled Interests Abbreviated. Follow us for all the latest tweets about our videos there as well, in case you don't really pay attention to the YouTube sub box, because it's, it's not something you Garbage. should trust. <laughs> exactly. It's broken. Uh, Dude, and oh, last... And, this No Clips documentary that I knew about. Oh, the ESRB one? Fucking algorithm. You can follow us individually. Jordan is at Mellow Modus. Dom is at Dom's Oreos. And I am at Jared underscore. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye.